this is Thoughts Become Things. With each episode, we'll help you reach the highest creative potential that God has for you. With your host, a teacher, life coach, a dream coach, and motivational speaker, Jeremy Lopez. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another podcast of Thoughts Become Things. I'm Jeremy Lopez, and so honored and glad to be with you guys again today. And by the way, we have had this most amazing month of October. You know, we just came out of October. Here we are in November 2022. Can you believe it? It's crazy thinking that. But in October, we had some dynamic things happen, and uh, we had a contest because I was able to uh, put out my 100th book. Can you believe it? 100 books already. And counting. Let me say this. I'm going to say the same thing in a couple of years and say, we had 200 books, so I'm um, keep on going on, pressing towards the mark, right? But uh, we had a great contest, you know, for those who wrote reviews on Amazon. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. We got some winners of a free ball cap with, like, with Identity Network, and you know, saying that we're co-creator, creating our day on it. We've uh, got courses given away free. We've got a lot of stuff we were able just, you know, to give away for to the winners. And so I'm so honored and thrilled to to be able to really be a part of this, you know, with you guys as well. You guys be part of what I'm doing. And, and I'm excited because this month in November, for those of you who are on my Book of the Month program, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. You know, I, I really honor those who really support us and don't just take, 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 you know. And it's great that we receive revelation from people. And it's great that we, you know, can listen to people, but but never be that person where you're just a taker. And, and you know, you don't want to be able to find yourself looking back in your life and saying, God, did I just, was I a thief? Did I just take, take, take from everybody but never gave back, you know. The Bible says to give praise or praises do. So I would first of all highly encourage every one of you that if this ministry has been a blessing to you, whether it's been a prophetic word I've given you or my podcast or social media, something we've placed on there as one of our memes as a principle I give, you know, hey, please definitely donate to us, to the ministry and, and just buy a product, you know, buy one of my books or something. That's that's a great way to honor really someone who's who's fed into your life. And so just want to give you food for thought. If you really feel like you know, you've received from the ministry, hey, definitely you know, sow a seed into our, into our ministry or buy a book, buy a course. That's Those things really help us out financially because my main goal in life is to be able to get, you know, this amazing message of Christ around the world, but not a bad message of like doom and gloom or, you know, you're going to burn forever if you don't change your ways right now because it's the loving kindness of God that draws people to repentance and, and that fear and hate and scare mentality, you know, come from the same people who hate Halloween. Hello. You know, you hate Halloween, you hate to be scared, but yet you're the one turning around, scaring people into the most sacredness, sacred thing on, you know, in the, in, you know, in the universe, which is our Heavenly Father, the Kingdom of God, you know. Fear never does anything for anybody. Fear is a tormentor, the Bible says. And so, you know, just remember that. You don't want to be double-minded. I hate Halloween. I hate what it does. The fear, the scare. But yet, then don't fear and scare everyone else into the Kingdom of God, because then you're double-minded, unstable in all your ways, right? Hello. Been there, done that, folks. So I can say that <laughs> I have the T-shirt. <laughs> so, but anyway, but um, I'm excited for you guys to be with me today. I really am, and I'm excited because this month in November, uh, and those of you once again on the Book of the Month program, thank you for blessing us and being a part of our ministry. You should have already received that book uh, and the workbook with it free. 
Those of you who would like to purchase the book and the workbook, you can go to the website, identitynetwork.net, and download it or order the book today. No problem. So we are going to discuss that book today. I'm excited. So it deals with co-creators because a lot of times uh, there's a misconception in the church where we don't really stop to think exactly, do we really create? You know, is God the creator? Are we just his servants? We just, you know, uh, he just whips us into place and, you know, tells us what to do and, you know, and just we just do it. We just say, yes, sir. And we just align to it because we're ignorant. We're dumb. We're stupid. We have no brains in our head, have no marbles in our head, as they say, you know, um, born out of iniquity, whatever you want to say, which, you know, which I've said before, we were not born out of iniquity. That was David's story of how he was born. But I was not born out of iniquity. Now you might have been, amen, but I'm not, amen. So maybe you guys will understand that. But you know what? We were not born out of iniquity. I was not born a horrible, wretched person. I was born in the image and likeness of God. So don't let corrupt theological religion twist you and your identity. Then trust me when I say this. You'll be growing up the rest of your life trying to deprogram all the junk that was placed in you. And and sometimes when you think about the, the, the term co-creator, which, which again, I'm going to be talking about this pretty much the whole month, but I wanted to sort of share this today with you guys because this is the beginning stages of understanding your co-creation. Because I'm going to read you a quote here in a minute written by a dynamic genius guy that I thought was great on the subject. But before I do that, I wanted to sort of open Open up this sort of lay the foundation, open up the floor, so to say, to sort of deprogram some of the junk that you've been programmed in. Because, you know, it sort of goes back to being a child where you hear, you know, parents say, children should be seen and not heard. Well, that's a lie from hell because children have things to say. The Bible even says to come before, you know, uh, you know, that really to have childlike faith. You know, come before me as a child. You know, the, the idea of a child is adventurous and exciting and they have no limitations. They have no, you know, religion to them yet. So they just do anything and just go out there and just play like and pretend like they're Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever. You know, don't touch the stove. Well, guess what? That child wants to touch the stove, you know? And so it's just that thing of like, you know, almost like trial and error. If you think of like, you know, uh, Thomas, who people call him Doubting Thomas, which to me, I don't understand that phrase because he's far from doubting. I mean, Thomas just said, look, I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be the person who, you know, touches, you know, the nail-scarred hands of Christ. I want to be the person who thrust my hands into his side to feel, you know, the side where he was pierced, you know, by that sword of the soldiers. So, I, you know, I don't, talk, don't call me doubting. I just want my own experience. And so that's like a child. Give me my own experience. And and, and sometimes as, as a parent, we have to say, no, trust me. That's one experience you don't want to do. You don't want to burn your hand. But sometimes children just still do it, right? But the idea is we're supposed to be sort of like that, not to get burned, but to be like that to where we just we just walk by faith and not by sight and begin to step out on a limb and just do, do it, you know, uh, and, and create our world and create our existence. And so when we hear the phrase, you know, children should be seen and not heard, you know, uh, you should be quiet and sit, you know, sit in the back. It's very deadly and wrong and horrible to say that to your children, you know. There's a time and place for everything, yes, but always let your children express what's uh, vocally express what's on their heart. Let them begin to speak and, you know, let them know how important they are. You have to remember they have the same Holy Spirit that you do. Okay, there's not a kid Holy Spirit, adult Holy Spirit. They have the same Holy Spirit you do. They have the same Jesus you do. They have the same God you do. So because of that, you know, don't act like they're on a different plane of existence when they're not. You know, the Bible says, you know, don't to, uh, to honor your parents, but the Bible also says don't provoke your children. And so you don't want to provoke them. You want to awaken them to realize you are important. What you say is important. What 
what you think is important, how you carry out your life is important. You know, diving out there and trying things is still important. You know, uh, and so it's that understanding where our parenting have to has to be aligned with that type of adventurous faith. Because if we don't, what happens is we get those terminologies in our head subconsciously that children should be seen and not heard. And I talk to so many people in my life coaching sessions as a, as a life coach that tell me all the time that um, things such as. Uh, you know, uh, well, I was told as a kid, you know, to be quiet. I, I was never allowed to try out, you know, for cheerleading or football. I was, you know, I was always made to sit in the back. I, you know, I was made to feel unimportant. You know, uh, or my mother and father told me they really didn't want me or I was a surprise to them and, and it was a pain in the butt for them to birth me forth. You know, whatever the case may be. I hear that kind of stuff, folks, all the time. And sometimes it doesn't come up, you know, into people's, uh, lives for 20, 20, 30 years sometimes. And that's where we have to begin to really look at that and say, you know, what everything you hear is going to go into your ear so now let's take it in the future let's take well, let's take it in the now present moment i should say before we take it in the future so with that said when you hear people say wait a minute i'm not a wretched sinner I, I i do have a voice i do have a story i remember one of my one of my spiritual fathers years and years ago you know uh david van cronkite one of the best men that's ever changed my life ever um you know gave me that power to understand that you know what you do have a voice what you say matters there's things in you that you need to get out and so I've always loved that because it showed me that, you know what, I do have a story and I am important. What I say is important. And so you have to sort of dismantle, uh, you know, and disconnect from all the junk that you were told, maybe by your parents or even teachers at school or even by pastors. And so it's very important to know and to take notice and who you are. That you are important. You're not garbage. You're not junk. You're not some low life piece of whatever. You are an empowering person. And then that, from that platform, is where you can start co-creating with God. Because then you understand your importance. Then you understand your value. You can never understand your value. Let me just say this really clearly to many of you. You will never understand your value as a human being, much less a child of God, with the, the with the idea or the mentality that, you know what, I just submit, I don't do anything, I just keep my mouth shut, and because I'm worthless, and I let God do everything through me. That is the worst thinking you could ever have. Because even Paul said, you know, hey, I might be the you know, chief of all sinners, but hey, you know what, you know, God's given me this this desire, this, this goal, this destiny. I mean, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know. And so there were so many things that even people that had low self-esteem in the Scriptures, they still knew that they're going to carry out the mission to change lives and to change the world. And it's not about, you know, overriding people, you know, and disrespecting them by telling them about the kingdom of God. It was the idea of no Knowing that we can create with God, we can change the world. You know, when people say, "Not I, but Christ that liveth in me." You know, here's the key thing: Do you decrease and let God increase in you? A hundred percent. When you said, when, when the Scripture says, "Not I, but Christ that liveth in me," is that correct? A hundred percent. However, along with that thinking, you still cannot deny the other Scriptures that talk about that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again: You are the righteousness of God, not in God. Okay, so some of you might be like, oh, that sounds blasphemous. Well, then the whole Bible must be inerrant and it must be blasphemous because it says, it says that we are the righteousness of God 
in Christ, of God in Christ. So you are the righteous of God, not in God, of God. So with that said, that's pretty high up there. Knowing that you're made in the image and likeness of God. Knowing that there's power of life and the de death in your tongue. Knowing that where your foot's going to walk, God's going to give it to you. Notice that. Notice that wherever, the Bible says wherever, wherever, notice the phrase wherever, wherever your foot shall try. Now that sort of doesn't align with God's way or the highway mentality as far as God's will means just this. And if you step out of that yellow brick road mentality of his perfect will, you're going to get zapped, you're going to get killed, you're going to have poverty. You know, people around you are going to, you know, kill you, they're going to rob from you, you know, or your life's going to be just pure hell. No, it doesn't mean that. God's will is not that fragile, folks. It's not as bad as you think it is. Is. Because the Bible makes it plain many, many, many times about us doing wherever I walk, whatever I speak, whatever I speak is power of life and death in my tongue, and I have that option. Wherever I walk is my option. God's going to give it to me. So you have, I mean, there's hundreds of scriptures that deal with this subject. You know, being, a, you know, ask, seek, and knock. There's no perfect will to that scripture, is there? You know, seeking after the will of God on so many different levels in the scriptures never even mention the quote-unquote phrase, the will of God. And so you have to understand that you can't sort of go to an extremity to feel like that you live your life in fear thinking, if I make one false move, like if God, if I go to the store today and it wasn't part of God's will, I'm going to get a car wreck and die. You know, you can't think on that level because that's not true. God is not that harsh, that mean, and he's not that cruel, and he's definitely not that delicate to think you just make one false Notice the word false. One false move. Why do we always go to the extremities of having the false move versus the true move or the right move? Why can't we understand that we have the mind of Christ? Now here's my thinking. If we have the mind of Christ, why was I given the mind of Christ? Because a mind a mind has the power to create, to think uh, outside the box, uh, to, do, to think of colors and numbers and sizes and shapes. So so if I get the, get the mind of Christ, does all that change? And now I can, can no longer think for myself. I can't see colors. I can't look, think of shapes and sizes. I can't think of measurements because the mind of Christ takes all that away from me. And now all the mind of Christ does for me is just say, go this way, do this, say this word, put a smile on your face, put your shoes on. Hey, put that shirt on. Don't wear the other shirt. That's out of God's will. You know, buy this dishwasher. This, that's out of God's will if you buy another one. You know, go to the movies right now and see this movie. Nope, if you do anything else, you're out of God's will. Do you honestly think that the mind of Christ would be that, that, um, how can I say this, legalistic? That sort of soldier mentality? That authoritative mentality? No. A mind is a mind. A mind thinks and reshapes and reformulates and creates and paints different shapes and colors and sizes and, and, and witty inventions, the Bible says, and new ideas. It never even says with that scripture, the will of God. So some people, you know, you get too hung up on the will of God when the will of God is so much bigger than what many people don't realize. It's so much bigger. And so because it's so much bigger and broader, you can't look at this and say, it's either, I'll, I either have two choices, left or right. And if I, and, and if one or the other is not of God, I'm royally, pardon my language, I'm royally screwed, you know? No. No, 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 no. Okay? You've got to quit living in fear. 
God is making it plain to you that he wants to bless you. He, he says, he says, you're blessed going in and blessed going out. Doesn't even say a connection there in that scripture to God's will. There are hundreds of scriptures, hundreds of scriptures that deal with the blessings of God and where you go and what you say and what happens when you do this that has no attachment whatsoever to say only if you're in the perfect will of God will this happen. Only if you're in the perfect will of God that'll happen. So here's the key thing. When you don't see the connections there, it doesn't mean you go to the extremity and say, I can do whatever I want to do and no worries. If I want to kill somebody, if I want to watch pornography, if I want to go over here and cheat, hey, no big deal. It's God's will. No, not at all. Think, think wisdom. You got you to gotta think wise, okay? There's an old song by Amy Grant in the 80s, which I love. It's called, You Better Wise Up. That's the truth. Wise up. You better think twice, right? Because you don't want anything to be able to come into your mind where you're thinking the extremity. But you also don't want to think the extremity of living in fear, thinking it's either one way or the other way, and one way leads to this way, and one way will kill me. Because you don't, because that's a life of fear. That's not God. And plus, there's hundreds of scriptures that would actually come against that way of thinking. Right? Think about that. So if you don't see something that you consider extremely vitally important to go along with hundreds of other scriptures, then the Bible is really messed up majorly. And obviously people were high writing it, right? Or either, no disrespect, or either maybe it's right. Maybe there is something there we're missing. I thoroughly believe it's something there we're missing. And so as a co-creator, as we build a foundation of co-creatorship, as a co-creator, you want to be able to walk in synchronicity and sort of in sync, we could say download, you know, um, the mind of Christ in you to be able to just know what is right for you and know what it is. Because God even says this, he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. And once again, here's another scripture that never is connected or tied into, you know, if you're in my perfect will, I'll give the desires of your heart. No, once again, here's another scripture. So guess what? We need to broaden our horizons, get out of fear, and allow God to give us the life and life more abundantly that he's chosen to give us and realize that if he's given me life and life more abundantly, maybe I should focus on life and let the let the do's and don'ts and everything and, and the wrongs and the rights as far as where I need to be and where I need to go and what I don't need to be doing. Let all that leave all that up to God. Because if I'm living the life to the fullest of what God died to give me, it never even says God died to give me his perfect will and his perfect will only, right? So there's a lot of things we're missing, folks, because there's a life-giving spirit. The, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and he quickens my mortal body. So there's a life-giving resurrection spirit in me, for lack of better terms, dying for me to be able to live. Dying for me to be able to create. Dying for me to say, what is it you want to be able to ask and seek and knock? What is it you want to begin to open up? Because anybody who knocks is going to open up and it's going to, it's going to be opened up to them. Anybody who asks, guess what? They're going to find. Anybody who seeks and knocks, man, that door's going to be open for them. So there's an excitement there about life. There's not a dread or drudgery or fear about life. It's, it's a beautiful thing to live life. It's a respectful thing to live life. Because God died to give you life and life more abundantly. Why? Because he is the tree of life. 
He's a tree of life. If we understand our root system is, is, is planted deep within God, then you know what? Branches don't say, do I need to, you know, let me pray, but the, you know, do branches say, let me just pray for a moment. Do I need to sprout out branches, oh, just on the left side of me or just on the right side of me? No. Notice a tree has branches all over. It's amazing and it's miraculous how trees in their, in their environment of not being so squished together can grow and have limbs come out on all four sides. How on earth does that even happen? It's like it brings balance to their life automatically. And yet, we as human beings struggle constantly with got to balance out the will of God. I got to have this balance. I got to have this balance. I got to have this balance. We live in more fear to make sure we do everything right than just enjoying life and watching God make sure that the right and wrong is dealt with. Hello? Because if I'm gonna, if I, if I'm, if I'm on this planet, I want to do what, what Jesus died to give me. What did Jesus die to give me? Life and life abundantly. So shouldn't I be enjoying life in that respectful to the, to the person who died for me? Absolutely it is. And that's the start of my journey to say, you know what? I do have a voice. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to worry about and pray in 24-7. Oh my gosh, should you pray always? Absolutely. But praying always doesn't mean folding your hands and getting your prayer closet. Oh, dear Lord in heaven, Jesus. No. It means it literally means sort of this vibrational, you need to get my book on prayer. It means, uh, in the original language, it means more of this, more, we'll use the word vibrational. It means basically a meditative point of view of, of meditatively, constantly having your mind on God. Not always saying, oh God, 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 God. No, not that to where every second you're conscious about God. It's living life into the fullness of knowing that you're in Him and in Him you're going to live and you're going to move and you're going to have your being and notice right there once again no perfect will mentioned doesn't mean that we don't that we just not a perfect will because there is but it's not what you think it is folks it's the powerful place of realizing i have a story i have a life i'm gonna start living life god wants to give me the desires of my heart I'm going to start realizing wherever I walk, God's going to give it to me, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith, and I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to enjoy this life, and I'm going to begin to balance myself out by doing what? What is the best balance I can live my my life out doing by being me? Oh, this is really stepping on a lot of sacred cows here. You might say, what is a sacred cow? Stepping on a lot of your religious toes and theology, is it not? But the truth is, I can sit here and give so many scriptures like I have been, and many of you will still deny what the scriptures say and still think to yourself, well, no, 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 no. I'm happier and comfortable with, with, with constantly being in prayer all day long, out loud, not inwardly like you're saying, Jeremy, but out loud, begging God, pleading God, begging God, pleading God, why, 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 why? Then here's my question to you. In all honesty, in all fairness, and all respect to you, is then you enjoy that kind of life. But the life that we choose to live is a life that Jesus said he died to give us, and life more abundantly. It's to enjoy our inheritance, and to have fun with the kingdom and the gospel. And that is to create where we need to go. Enjoy the things we need to do. Have a say-so in life. Be creative with the mind that you have inside of you that, that God's given you. Do the mind of Christ to begin to choose colors, choose options. Begin to bring forth witty inventions and creative ideas. And, and let the world see that, you know what? You know, really as, as a believer, that I can do whatever I want to do in the sense of if I want to own a business, I can. 
If I want to be successful, I can. If I want to have a, a beautiful marriage, I can and I will. If I want to have children, I can and I will. If I want to have a, a car that maybe I'm like, man, I really want a good Honda Accord. Or maybe I do want a good BMW. Or maybe I just want to, want to just, you know, good, buy a good, a pretty brand new Acura. Well, you know what? You can. And it doesn't mean you can just, once again, 100% just do whatever you choose to do in life. But use wisdom on that. Because the more you begin to live that tree and just sprout out, the more you're going to be balanced. If you really think about it, a tree doesn't pray. A, pre, a tree just gets the water and just grows because it's naturally, check this out, with inside of a tree's DNA, it naturally knows what it means without you telling it what balance is. No one preaches to a tree and says, now you can, you have to bear forth tree uh, limbs on all four sides. And then for the things that are bearing forth fruit, you got to be able to make sure you, you only do it in this season. You can't do it in other seasons. You got to do it only in this season. You're not allowed to bear forth fruit in the winter. You know, we don't educate create uh, creation do we not at all we don't educate creation it just automatically knows in its dna what seasons to do what needs to be do what needs to be done it just knows the balance why because it just knows to live come on folks it just knows to live you water me i'm gonna live i'm gonna grow so what if you have the same definition if christ died to give you life life more abundantly what if you just watered by his word and you just you just live you just grow and that's it because the more you put yourself into life and growth, oh my goodness, folks, guess what? You're going to sprout out. You're going to be so balanced and so amazing. And fear is going to leave you so much because then you find yourself enjoying life, enjoying the life that, was, that he died to give you. Now, I want to read a quote. I didn't get into a whole lot of co-creating today because I really wanted to sort of lay a foundation to remove your fear. Because when you tell people about co-creating, all of a sudden you realize if you don't lay a foundation to remove the fear factor, what happens to them is then they, they're going to find themselves frustrated, not feeling as if they're, they can co-create with God on anything. And they get frustrated saying it doesn't work, it doesn't work. The truth is it doesn't mean, and then, oh, and then here's, here's the other thing. Then that person will go into, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm sinning. Why do I feel like God is far from me? Why do I feel like God will not help, you know, create with me like Jeremy talked about or the Bible talks about? And then when you go to that mindset, it automatically tells me right there, you still have that old, horrible thinking, twisted theology in your embedded inside of you. So if you go that route to say, why me, God? I remember a young gentleman, sweet young guy, wrote in the other day, and I'm hoping and praying he's listening to this podcast, but he wrote in the other day, and God love him, he struggles because he doesn't sleep a whole lot. And, um, and he, and he wrote in, he said, you know, I'm asking God, like, you know, how did I deserve this? You know, you know, how did I deserve this? I don't deserve this. You know, what's going on? Why don't you answer my prayer? And that right there shows me what a horrible thinking of the theological damage that many of us as leaders have done to this guy. Because the moment you say, why won't, you know, what have I done to deserve this lack of sleep, God? And all of a sudden you think to yourself, you know what? What that shows me is take on your view on God. It's going to be like, ha if I'll, I'll heal you when I want to. I'll give you a sleep when, you, when I want to. It's totally up to me. No responsibility on your part. No maturity on your part. I'm God and I, if I feel like it and once you beg and plead and you cry and, you, and, you, and you're about to a point of death, if I feel like it, I'll, give, I'll grant you sleep. If I feel like it, I'll heal your body. It all depends on if I'm in a good mood or not. That's what you really have to think because that's what you really believe. Anytime you find yourself saying that, God, I'm begging you, why won't you do this for me? Why won't, what is, why won't you do this? How, what have I done wrong, God, for, to, to deserve this? 
And God's like, first of all, I gave universal kingdom principles in my word to live by. You reap what you sow. There's things in life that you have to remember that maybe you've consumed, you've eaten, you haven't done, you haven't eaten, or, 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 or mindsets. I mean, you have to remember, folks, we are powerful leaders on this planet as children of God, sons of God. And our responsibility most of the time relies on us. I did a teaching recently, you know, um, called The Truth About Satan, and yet I gave about 40 or 50 scriptures, if not more, on the power of thought. Your evilness deals with your thought process and your mindsets. So it's not about God looking down on you saying, ah, if I feel like it, keep on a begging, brother. So the more you have that theology, the more twisted you make God. The more disrespectful you become, to, you know, to, uh, in the sense of throwing that to God because God is not that God. And God is not going to cross over situations. He won't, you know, the Bible says he honors his word above his name. There's so many things in the scriptures that talk about that we go through trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. And so through even things of life, God says, God looks down at you and says, that's life, my son. That's life. That's life. I love you and I'll be here for you and I'll help you, but that's life. And then you begin to turn and look at yourself and say, what can I do? Not to blame yourself and say, oh my God, self-condemnation. No. What can I do to help study, to show myself approved of maybe some techniques that maybe I can be able to find to reverse this situation with God's help? Are you with me? So that's why I want to, that's why it's so vitally important to set a foundation when we deal with co-creating with God. So let me read this real quick. An amazing, powerful uh, a man named Philip Hefner said this, I recommend that we think of the human being as the, co as the created co-creator. I love that. This term does a number of things. Because we are created, we are reminded that we are dependent creatures. We depend for our very existence on our cosmic and biological prehistory. That's only because of the fact that, guess what, folks, that you know, the Bible, you know, I mean, the Bible, so science says we're made of stardust. We can prove that we're part of this universe, right? And it goes on to say this, we depend on the creative grace of God, yet we are also creators using our cultural freedom and power to alter the course of historical events and perhaps even evolutionary events. We participate with God in the ongoing creative process. In addition, the term created co-creator notes the fact that we have a destiny. We have a future towards which we are being drawn by God's will. Now that's powerful, folks. That's what I want to leave you with today. You are a created co-creator. You were created to co-create with God. I hope this, this uh, podcast was a blessing to many of you. I would definitely highly encourage you, each one of you, go to the website, identitynetwork.net. You can download the book and workbook today called Co-Creators. It should be on the homepage. If not, you can actually uh, you know, get the paperback books on, from our website. I'll be glad to uh, autograph it for you before my staff ships it out to you. Also, you can call the office to say, hey, I need that, you know, that book Jeremy's talking about. You know, the book and the workbook on co-creators. You can call the office at 205-362-7133. That's 205-362-7133. And when you do, just say, I want to get that, that the combo on co-creators. And my team will be able to help you out. But let this be a blessing to each one of you today. And I'll close with this as I always do. If you don't like your day, change your thoughts and you'll change your life. God bless. This has been the Thoughts Become Things podcast with Jeremy Lopez, helping you reach your highest creative potential that God has for you. 
For more episodes, products, and information on Jeremy, visit www.identitynetwork.net.